You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockdownPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. But first, we've got to recap the weekend. Wild ending to the Pelicans win against the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, moving them to 4-0, and then following that up with a pretty disappointing performance all things considered, in their game on the second night of a back-to-back against the Utah Jazz. The Pelicans did suffer their first loss of the year. I'll tell you why they struggled against the Nets in that first game, though, and how they managed to eke out a victory as improbable and kind of wild and Rondo-esque, you all know what I'm talking about, as it was. Where they went wrong against the Jazz, there were some very key things, things we've seen become problems kind of all season long so far throughout the great start. And then, of course, it is a game day, not here in New Orleans, but on the road as the Pelicans kick off a road trip. I think it's something like they're playing five games in seven nights total or whatever it comes down to. So this is going to be tough. And all of a sudden, the injury report has uh, boomed for New Orleans. I'll tell you who's in, who's out, who's likely to play, and we'll preview the game against the Denver Nuggets tonight. So a lot to cover in Monday's edition here of Locked on Pelicans. So if you're a new listener, thank you all for tuning in. If you've been with me through any part of my run here, Unlocked on Pelicans as the host, I appreciate it. And of course, tell your friends. This is a fun year for New Orleans, despite some of the injury stuff we're seeing now. And hey, it's still fun, even though they actually suffered a loss. Every team's going to have that happen. You go 81-1, and and I don't think anyone is going to ultimately complain about a loss to the Utah Jazz. So tell your friends, clue them into the podcast, make sure they become smarter basketball fans. So the Brooklyn Nets and the game on Friday, a 117-115 win for your New Orleans Pelicans, who are actually down by a point uh, with 20 seconds to go when Brooklyn had the ball. And this was just kind of weird. So after kind of struggling and this Brooklyn game being much closer than it should have been, which follows kind of a pattern we've seen over the past couple of years, though the Pelicans ultimately broke it this past weekend. But it was tough. And Brooklyn, you know, going into the game was 2-2. Two and two. They're not the Brooklyn Nets of old. There's some talent here. But they played the Pelicans tougher than I think anyone was really expecting. We kind of all felt blowout in this one. Didn't end up happening, though. So Pelicans down one with 20 seconds left. Uh, The Nets have the ball, and I don't know what's going on, but New Orleans was supposed to foul. That's very clearly what you do in that situation. Down one without the ball, foul, hope they miss a free throw, or you at least get it back down two and can take a three to potentially tie the game. You're not expecting to win in that scenario. But Brooklyn takes the ball down. The Pelicans don't foul. They miss all the opportunities to, and it seems like there's just general confusion on the defensive side of the ball from him. Brooklyn's passing the ball around there. It looks like they're just going to run out the clock and this is done for New Orleans. But no, you have D'Angelo Russell making a no-look pass as they try and play keep away from the Pels here. And the ball goes out of bounds. New Orleans gets the ball back. They get it to Drew Holiday, who came up clutching this one, making the pull-up jumper that gave the Pelicans a go-ahead lead. They were up one point. And then the Solomon Hill incident happened where 
After, so the way when you're watching this on TV or in there, it was really confusing. Solomon Hill's all of a sudden in the huddle from the Brooklyn Nets. Someone shoves him and makes contact, but you can clearly see on video replay, Solomon Hill flops backwards. They call a technical. New Orleans goes up, makes it. They're up two. They just got to play defense against the Nets. They do, and they get out of there with a win. So Solomon Hill explained it was they called the buzzer. Teams needed to be back on the court. So he just decided, hey, I can walk over wherever I want on the court right now. You know, Brooklyn's being slow coming out of their timeout, their huddle. And I'm going to just get in there and see if he can kind of figure out what play they're running. Their coach was drawing it up. So that's kind of what happened there. Bit of a dick move, bit of a Rondo-esque move, as I'm sure has been said ad nauseum here. But it worked, and he he sold the contact. There was solid contact, though. He had his the, the guy put his forearm into him, hand shoved him away. It didn't go down like he was shot, but you know it was enough contact that you're gonna call it. They're probably, in, I guess, Solomon Hill didn't do anything wrong technically, though it feels like yeah he probably shouldn't be doing it. But hey, it gave New Orleans a two point lead, which is significantly better than one in that situation. They. Played defense, and that was that. So looking at the game, the numbers from it, of course, um, was was tough. Drew Holiday led the way, finally kind of a breakout scoring game for him. 26 points on the night, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. Was 3 of 7 from deep, 9 of 19 from the field overall. Anthony Davis struggled shooting in this one. 6 of 19 from the field, 1 of 3 from deep. Did get to the line 7 times, uh, 14 boards. 18 points, four steals, five blocks, nearly posting a five-by-five type of game. He was, of course, just the good player that he is. Alfred Payton struggled, left the game late in this one with cramping. More on him coming up later in the podcast here. Seven for 16 on the night, 17 points, six assists. He fits well. We've kind of seen that here. So he's played well within this thing. We'll we'll kind of dive into his game a little bit more because I've been asked about him a lot. Etwan Moore did his usual Etwan Moore things. 5 of 10 from the field, 15 points. Julius Randle with 14 off the bench. Miritich had 10. He was only held to, it was 23 minutes basically in this one. As New Orleans, and Alvin Gentry said it after, tried to match the smaller ball that was being played by the Brooklyn Nets. So this is where we get into how they made this one much more competitive than all of us were expecting. So we know they kind of have a lot of weird length on on the wing position with guys who are just kind of athletic and like 6'7", so there's some height there. And they use that. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie put up 11 in this one. Jared Dudley had nine points too. Joe Harris had seven. You saw just kind of an overall kind of just grouping of guys going out and playing that. Karis Levert, who can play at the three and the two, um, put up 21 on the night as well. And that kind of smaller length really gave the Pelicans trouble. We've seen them kind of struggle with this. Um, and so it was just that athleticism that really did it. When you look at the box score, Jordan should have killed this one. Brooklyn only scored 40 points in the paint. They had 21 turnovers on the night. That's not going to get it done. New Orleans crashed the offensive glass, scoring 21 uh, second chance points. They outbeat, uh, they out, had more, they outscored, sorry, there it is, the Nets in the fast break, 12 to 9. They only had 11 turnovers. It's just kind of weird that Brooklyn used its depth to kind of get by guys. And we've seen Miritich struggle defensively recently over the past couple of games. He's an above average defender, but he's been burned a little bit too. And that's, I think, one of the big reasons you saw him only play 23 minutes in this one. It was just he wasn't effective. And if he's not giving you the offense and the scoring, which he did for the first quarter against the Jazz, 
uh, it can kind of hurt if teams take advantage of the fact that, yeah, he's a decent enough defender down low. You throw him on the perimeter, guys can blow by him, and that's kind of what happened in this one. The New Orleans kind of gritted it out. This is the type of thing where it's just like whatever, you know, you have a fluke loss. And we've seen them. They lost to the Nets at home, I think, what, two years in a row, something like that, uh, before going out and having a big game against the Cavs after that with LeBron James at the time. So, you know, nice to see that kind of trend reversed here for New Orleans, and they get the win. And at the end of the day, you know, you need some luck to go your way. It's going to go for you and go against you over an 82-game season. And New Orleans kind of used one of their, I guess, maybe nine lives, you want to call it, in the game on Friday for a 117-115 win over the Brooklyn Nets. So before we recap the Pelicans' first loss of the season to the Utah Jazz, there was a whole lot going on in New Orleans this weekend. You had two Pels home games, you had Voodoo Fest, and then you had the Progress fight over at the UNO Lakefront Arena. He won, and also the nickname Rougarou is just the absolute best. And it's so much fun being at all of these events live and in person. And with Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for tickets in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. You get to save just even more money than the already great prices on there. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked on for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code locked on for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. There is always something going on wherever you live, particularly here in New Orleans. As I'm going to tease later on, there's kind of a big football game going on in Baton Rouge upcoming coming this weekend. So make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help get you to your favorite live event. So the game Saturday, the Pelicans first loss, suffering a pretty bad 132-111 defeat to the Utah Jazz. The Pelicans kind of made it close at one point, but were never able to get over the hump. About 30 minutes, 45 minutes before game time, we found out Anthony Davis was ruled out with an elbow injury. He would not be playing and Julius Randle would be starting in his place. We It seems that that elbow injury occurred in the first quarter of the Nets game. He played through it. It wasn't an issue there. But of course, you know, once you get home, things swell up. You know, the adrenaline wears off and pain starts to set in. And it seems like that's what happened here with Anthony Davis, where this kind of came as a bit of a shock when in that morning he was listed as questionable on the injury report. Talked to a couple of the Jazz guys, too, um, before and after the game. And they seem to think, and this is just their kind of personal belief, that he was out with, as they put it, and this is kind of funny, and I don't agree with it, but we'll talk about it here, with um, Gobert-itis, that he was trying to dodge Rudy Gobert. They told me, and I haven't verified this, but I believe him, that three out of the past six contests before this one, Davis either didn't play or left early in, and they think he's just kind of dodging Gobert, who has a pretty good history of defending him. Gobert has a very good history of basically defending every single person. And when you kind of watch this one, I don't know if it would have mattered a whole ton, but no AD in this one. And then you saw Alfred Payton 
only play 15, 16 minutes in this and not feel impactful at all during that time. And then we'll give you an update on him because there's more to it. He did leave with injury, came back to the bench, um, and basically just couldn't give it a go at that point. And we'll have an update on his injury report, history, whatever you want to call it, going into tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. But this one was all jazz basically from the second quarter on. New Orleans actually kept it close and led Utah 31-28 at the end of the first. That's because Miritich was hot, had 15 points in the first quarter alone. He finished with 25 on the night, so that's how the rest of those three quarters went for him. 10 of 18 4 of 9. Drew Holiday finished with 18 points. 7 of 13. 0 for 4 from 3, though. Not what you want to see. Frank Jackson was your third leading scorer in this one. He got pretty good run as Alvin Gentry put in the subs late in the fourth quarter, midway through the fourth quarter, I guess you could say, just to get him some burn. Frank Jackson, 3 of 9 from the field overall, 1 of 4 from deep, but got to the line nine times. He can do that. You can be in my rotation on this Pelicans team any day of the week. Julius Randle struggled as well. 12 points in just 18 and a half minutes. 5 of 11 from the field. Couldn't really get to the free throw line. Okafor got in there. 11 points. Diallo played pretty well. 10 in all a little over 10 minutes. 4 of 8 from the field. He was springy. He was kind of excitable. And he needed that because he's looked bad in preseason and to start this year. For the Jazz, it really centered around two guys. Ricky Rubio was on fire. Three of seven from deep, eight of 14 on the night, nine of nine from the free throw line, 12 assists to pair with just two turnovers, 28 points on the night. By the way, he was a plus 26. Rudy Gobert in 31 and a half minutes, 11 for 13 from the field, three of five from the line, 14 rebounds along with four blocks. He was just engulfing anyone when they went to the paint, which is what he does. He doesn't defend outside of the paint. With a, a kind of a three-headed rotation of Anthony Davis, Julius Randle, Nikola Mirotic, I think you can maybe try and neutralize um, Gobert. I said, you know, to start the year, I think this is one of those games where alongside AD, maybe you want to start Randall because you need to find a way to get Gobert off of uh, Anthony Davis. And then if they don't, at least, um, yeah, sorry, Julius Randall can punish Derek Favors who would defend him down low. Or if they force a switch, you get Derek Favors on Anthony Davis and you live with that. And then you can also have Julius Randle at least make things a little bit more difficult for Gobert, get to the line and maybe get some fouls on him. And that kind of changes the dynamic of the game. Gobert in this one didn't leave the paint basically once. The other way to neutralize him is get him out on the perimeter. You, you put him on ice skates out there and he struggles. He didn't leave the paint once because there was just no threat from deep and no reason why. They were content to let Miritich shoot threes like that and hope he would just go cold and know he's not going to take or make 10 of them against you. So they kind of had the right game plan and it really hurt the Pels. Those two were just unstoppable. By the way, Gobert finished with 25 points on the night. Donovan Mitchell was held pretty much in check throughout most of the night. Finished with 22 points, but they just didn't even need him with the way Rubio and Gobert were playing in this one. Ultimately, it was just, okay, this is not the Pelicans' night. Though you did see him get into the paint a little bit more than you would have liked. This is where the defense has struggled. Guys getting down low and scoring and not playing and boxing them out and doing all that thing and just holding your position. People are waltzing down there, and Utah did that. They had a 20-point lead in this one. At the, in the you know beginning of the fourth, New Orleans cut it to eight. 
but they weren't able to get it any closer than that. And basically, Utah just ran away. New Orleans had 18 turnovers, or sorry, 16 turnovers on the night. It's their worst, I think, this season so far. And they just weren't able to do anything that they wanted to. And when you have a team that shoots 52.3% against you, you're not going to get to play in the fast break against them because they're making so many shots. You're taking the ball out of the bottom of your net, inbounding it, and they're back. And this is already a very good defensive team that's very well coached. Where New Orleans in this one without Anthony Davis kind of jumped back to maybe two or three years ago where without their leader, they kind of looked a little bit lost out there. And that happened. We didn't see that as much last year, but you saw it in this game. Hopefully they can kind of mentally regroup. But now going into Denver and looking at this injury report, I think, well, we'll talk about it in the next segment here because there's something a little bit intriguing. And I think I kind of have an idea and you'll, you'll have to let me know if you all agree with me about what they're trying to maybe do here. So let's talk about that in the next segment coming right up. But before we get to all of that, it is a huge week up there in Baton Rouge and for LSU Tiger fans everywhere. Yeah, it's Bama and LSU right now when I just look, 14 and a half point home dog. That's a lot. Should it be that much though? Or do you have more confidence in this LSU team? And if you're unsure, I got the guy who can tell you and that's Matt Moscona of ESPN Radio here in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, who is now the host of the Daily Locked On LSU podcast, Monday through Friday. Look, you can't get his radio show out of market, but you can get the Locked On LSU podcast if you're not local. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On LSU because basically one of the best is doing it. So again, at Moscona, host of the Locked On LSU podcast, Monday through Friday, make sure you listen and subscribe. So going into tonight's matchup against the Denver Nuggets, by the way, Denver, who is 4-1, tied for the second-best record in the Western Conference with New Orleans here now. Uh, the Warriors are 5-1, so only one game in the win column better. The injury report ballooned for New Orleans. So you have Trevon Blewett out because he's with the G League team. That makes sense. Darius Miller was out for the game against the Utah Jazz. He's listed as doubtful with a contusion of his right quad. No real surprise there. Anthony Davis with the right elbow sprain listed as questionable as well. That's kind of been the norm, and we were expecting that. Julius Randle has that plantar fasciitis of his left uh, foot side and everything. That's Always an issue and never a good thing. He's been probable. He's been listed on this for a little bit too. So no surprise there. It's Alfred Payton being listed as out. He is not playing in this Denver game. He's got a right ankle sprain. Alvin Gentry said it was precautionary, but to just kind of rule him out is a little bit interesting. I think because of that... I would not be shocked if Anthony Davis doesn't play in this game and they kind of just punt on this knowing that Denver's good, Denver's a tough place to win in anyway, and just focus on the Warriors who are coming up on Wednesday. Just a gut feeling, might be wrong. You know, I'm recording this right now. It's halftime of the Saints game, so that might change a little bit by tomorrow on Monday here when you're all listening to this. So we'll see, but it seems like maybe they're just going to be like, screw it, let's rest some guys, get healthy for the Warriors and give them a run, whereas we're banged up in an already tough place to play in Denver, who's a good team, and just not risk any more injury or tiring our own guys out because we're playing shorthanded and they got to play extended minutes in the altitude and all of that. Denver, by the way, 10th best offense in the league, third best defense. That is a little bit surprising. They're about middle of the road in pack and in pace. And of course, they are well coached with Mike Malone, who got a brand new extension heading into this year. 
So some things Denver does well, they are a very sound rebounding team, third best on the defensive glass, sixth best on the offensive glass. So this might really come down to it. Assume Anthony Davis is playing, let's say, say, and then Alfred Payton is not Julius Randle. I think we're going to see play in this one. It might come down to a battle of the boards who can control the offensive glass, the defensive glass, and just kind of keep it as simple as that. Denver also doesn't really turn the ball over a ton. They forced the opponents into a lot of mistakes, though. And, of course, they have that home court advantage playing in the altitude. They're led offensively by Nikola Jokic, basically a walking triple-double at any given time. He's averaging 23.4 points on the season, 10.6 rebounds, and 6.2 assists. He's taking his game a little bit further. He's not so much a threat necessarily inside always, but he can playmake from a variety of spots on the court. He's been all right defensively too. He's been an issue there. Hopefully the Pelicans can maybe play him off the court, but he does so many things well. I don't think you're going to see that. Gary Harris is a great backcourt player. 19.4 points on the season. 3.4 assists alongside 3.4 rebounds. Will Barton's their big injury there. He was averaging 16.5 in the two games that he played, but he's out now for a little while. Jamal Murray picked one um, spot after, but he healed, of course. Uh, 15.4 points from him. He's a pretty good three-point shooter as well. Sorry, he's not the good three-point shooter on this team. It was Will Burton. I'm getting all the numbers mixed up here. You got Paul Millsap, who's still maybe kind of working his way back into the team after being out for most of last year with injury. He was kind of their big pickup on the year. He's averaging a quiet 10 points and 8.4 rebounds in this one. And then they've just got a number of other guys who can kind of come in and make you pay. They're a bit of a deep team that is just kind of solid all the way around, and they're doing it with defense. They were really bad defensively last year, and they seem to have taken a step this year. So we've got to see if that keeps up. And if it does, they're going to be really, really good. I know a lot of people were upset that they were kind of being built into this maybe third in the West team, but you can kind of see why. Their offense is going to get going, particularly when they get Will Barton back, when Isaiah Thomas comes back and is going to be coming off of the bench um, against them. He's listed as day-to-day, by the way. So this is going to be an interesting team. I think it's a battle of boards. We're going to see with the Pelicans banked up, there's not a whole lot we can try and divine from how this is going to go. So I, with that, I'm just going to say, enjoy the game and we're going to end the podcast right there. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Hopefully they can get the win, move to 5-1, and one, which will put them in a tie with the Warriors for first place in the Western Conference, who of course they play on Wednesday. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll be back with you all tomorrow. 